KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Hadas Kuznets. I'm sitting in the car. I just finished an interview with Judy Reese, who is the mother of a 9-11 victim. And I am, I, I don't know, I feel like I have to take a breath. There was so much to this interview. It was incredible. She had a son that was killed in the 9-11 terrorist attacks, and he absolutely deserves to be remembered. I'm sitting here in Bucks County, and I just need to, like, debrief because there was so much to this interview. Her son Joshua was one of the youngest employees, a trader, I believe, at Cantor Fitzgerald, which took the top four stories of one of the World Trade Center towers. The second I walked into the the house, I turned on the recording and it was straight into 9-11. You can kind of feel just like the mood, the sense, the atmosphere of this tragedy that happened to the family. Hi, Judy. Hi. How are you? Good. Pleasure to meet you. Come on in. Thank you so much. What a day, huh? I'm happy. We walk right into a room where she showed me the last family picture that was taken. It was one of the children's bar mitzvahs. Let's go with this picture. Whose bar mitzvah was it in this picture? John's. John. So he's number four out of five. Five. He was 13. Okay. So Jordan was about 16, 17. Josh was in college. Adam was, I think, just finished college or in college. I don't remember. That was the last time they had like a real family photo. And boom, we went right into talking. No one knew. No one knew how to handle any of this and because it was unprecedented. It really was unprecedented. You know, this wasn't supposed to happen. I, and I get it. Um, a, friend, a friend of mine, um, about a year and a half later, her son, about a, not even a year, was diagnosed with brain cancer that they felt very strongly came from being down there that day. And when he passed away, I remember her looking at me and said, this wasn't supposed to happen to us. We did everything right. We educated our children. We stayed home with them when we could. We live in Yardley. I mean, those are her words. We live in Yardley. And I, and I said, you're right. It wasn't supposed to happen to us. You never know, right? You never know. And I always say, don't go to bed angry. Don't leave somebody angry. Just don't do it. Because you don't know what you tomorrow don't brings. Know. Today you don't know. You never really know, but this was, I mean, this was like, I can't explain to people. I mean, I got a phone call in the morning. Josh's college roommate and then girlfriend, who's now his ex-wife, and Josh was close to her as well. She called me and said, uh, my phone rang quickly and I couldn't grab it that morning. It only rang like three times. I went, who's calling me at 8.30? 40 in the morning, 8.50. And when it rang the second time, I was standing there, so I grabbed it, and she said, Miss Reese, I said, what? It's Brooke. I said, is everything okay, Brooke? She says, a plane hit jo- the, the buildings, and we can't get Josh on the phone. I'm scared. And I said, what do you mean? She says, don't you have the TV on? I said, no, I was in the shower. She says, turn on the TV. I turned it on, and I just hung up the phone. And I remember calling my husband, 
one of the buildings had been hit. He says, oh, it's an accident, like what happened 100 years ago at the, at the Empire State Building. The, this is after the first plane. This is what everybody thought. Yes, of course. Everybody I mean, it thought. It made logical sense that it's not. And I was talking to him, and I, I said, I, I don't know. And then I guess while I was talking to him, he hung up. I said, just, he says, what, what? I said, well, when you get to the store, turn on the computer, turn on the TV, whatever you have on. He turned it on and called me. And as he called me, I said, oh, my God, a plane hit the other building. This isn't an accident. And he looked. And then they, he went to, we had a third store at the time. He went up there. A third store? Yeah, my husband's a retailer. Okay. sells men's yeah. clothing. And he went up there and realized, and he called me, and I was calling him in the car. I said, you've got to come home. He said, what do you mean? Well, by then, a plane had hit the Pentagon. And at that point, I, no, this isn't an accident. I can't get Josh on the phone. I'm calling his cell. I'm calling his office number. We got, my daughter was at school. She saw all this on television. She's 11. She's 11. And she saw it at school. Her, Did her, she know that her yeah, brother, she, her brother was in the. Oh yeah, she kept telling people, "My brother's in the towers, but he's going to be all right. My brother's in the towers. He's going to be all right." And head of the school, she brought Jen home. I don't remember Jen coming home. Truthfully, at that point, my husband, I said, "You've got to send Adam to pick up John at high school." John was a freshman. From what John has told me, they made an announcement over the loudspeaker. John. Um, said he picked up his books, looked at the teacher, and walked out of the classroom, and he said he saw the principal and his brother coming down the hall, and his brother was crying. So he said he knew. He just knew. So he just, you know, he brought him home. But when my husband walked in, was the first building fell. My husband walked in, and I started screaming at him. The building fell down. And he looked at me, you know, like, did she grow another head or something? He says, I had understand i said it's gone he said what do you mean i said look at the tv he said where's the building i said i told you it fell down is he in that building he says no he's in the uh, the first building with the tower he said yes well they had promised us that you they repaired that building so they could get all the way down they didn't they had to come in on the 75th floor so there was no way down and i was never happy with him there he promised me he was 16 steps from the fire escape. He could go up on the roof, but they locked the roof, so they couldn't save people from the roof. Josh was one of five children. Judy's first four kids are all boys, and then she had a daughter, Jenny. His loss, really, you can feel the loss in the family, but it's not just the family, it's the ripple effect that this terrorist attack had I mean, obviously on the country, but specifically on this family, on the kids, on the nieces and nephews, the aunts and uncles, the mom and dad, the grandparents, his brothers and his sister are now, you know, grown and married with kids. And three of the grandkids are named after him. She got into graphic detail of they know that he jumped because they found his remains, but they also found his identification card. Where did he work? He was at Cantor Fitzgerald. So he was on the top floor. He was on the top floors. How many was a hundred and first? Somewhere between a hundred and second and hundred and fourth. I'm not sure where he was. That they had all the four top floors. The four top floors. Yes. 
First of all, that's so prestigious that yeah, he well, was at 23, 23 worked at Kenner he Fitzgerald. Was their, he was their youngest international bonds trader. They cherry picked him. Um, his boss at Cantor had been with him at another firm. And when the boss went to, to Cantor, he says, I want to bring this kid with me. He's sharp. And he did. What year was that? Um, just about six months before. He was only out of school. He graduated. Um, he had only been out of school a year and a half. I mean, he, you know, he was a kid. He was really the kid. But he, he was just so good at it. He was just born to do this. It, everything about him, he was into computers when he was 10, 11 years old. Um, he got me into computers really early. Um, so he and I would play with computers. I, he got me using AOL. and He instant messaged me every morning. He knew when my break was when I was teaching. So he would... Um, so which, not hearing from him probably must have been like you knew something knew. was wrong. Well, when Josh was in college, he got back left late and got back to South Carolina really late. I didn't hear from him. Well, I'm not sleeping. <laughs> you know, that's not happening. And I'm driving my husband nuts. You're a Jewish mother. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I didn't know I was till that night. I really right. didn't. Because I'm not... Um, or just a mother, because honestly, let's be honest here, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm a mom. I think all of us are the, pretty yeah. much the same. I hadn't heard from him. Well, now he doesn't answer his cell phone. I am beside myself. Right. He doesn't answer any phone. So I start calling the police, this highway patrol between, let's say, Washington when I heard <laughs> from him last. I did. Was he like, Mom, you're embarrassing me. Oh, no. I got a phone call about 2.20 in the morning. Mom, how come there's a big guy about 6'8 with a smoking a bear hat on standing over my bed? I said, where are you? He says, I'm in my dorm. He woke me up and said, son, you better call your mama because she's worried about you. (laughs) I bet he learned his lesson. He called me constantly. If he went out, mom, I'm home. I just want you to know. I mean, it was like a standing thing after that. He would, don't worry. What what was it? Don't worry. I have this. Or I have this. I can handle this. I mean, he would just... He he always was like that. So when you didn't hear from him, then that morning, that afternoon, that evening. It didn't take me. After about when the second building fell, if I knew if I hadn't heard from him in 30 minutes to an hour, something was wrong. He either in a hospital or unconscious or didn't know who he was because he would have called. He would have forced someone to give them his phone. He would have done anything. That just wasn't Josh. He would have let us know. And... It's, and I, they weren't telling anybody, but you knew. You and then knew. the days go by. My husband said to me, when the building fell, I think we lost our child. And I look at him and say, no, Josh got out. I know he could get out. I know he could get out. But my head knew. My heart didn't. Um, I mean, I literally the first night or two stood at the door hoping that he would just come down the street. I, I was a basket case. I, I couldn't catch my breath. When my parents got here, I kept saying, we can't find him, we can't find him. And my mother says, they will find him. They did in May. I had the first set of remains in May of the following year, you know, the following spring. And then twice 2002. More they, yeah, and then twice more they called me. How did they find him? How did they DNA. identify him? DNA. And he, they originally brought me his, I have it, his ID card because it had gone somewhere else, which 
where they found him and the fact that the ID card had floated leads them to believe. They even knew that he had a wallet, how much money was in the, his wallet, um, and what credit cards. So it leads them to believe and me to believe he probably did jump. He probably figured I'll land on some other poor you know, fellow and maybe I'll survive. But he wouldn't stay there. There was an early report of a very, they said, extremely young Cantor Fitzgerald trader calling 911. And they, the New York Times said they had heard it. And he w- they were saying, stay up here. Stay there. They will come and get you. And he says, we can't. We're dying up here. What do you want us to do? Oh, stay there and wait. We can't. We are dying up here. Right. The fuel yeah. was going up. And the first one the hit smoke. really high. Right. It hit high. And it hit basically where they'd have to go in the building. And he was on the opposite side. He was on the side of the um, Statue of Liberty. That I do know because he used to tell me he could look down and see the top of her head. He says, I know how she does her hair. I mean, he would look out and say, it's cloudy. It's not up here. What's your weather down there? I mean, he was just really, he was too much. He really, he was above the clouds. That's how often, high. He was often above them. He could see clouds below him. Wow. I know. I, I am not good at heights. Right. There's two things that I've always been afraid of, fire and heights. So this was like the worst thing that could ever happen. How do you, like... I can feel that you. It, the memory is just as vis- vivid as it ever was. Oh, it is. There's no question. How, um, how does it, like, how, 20 years, though? How do you, like... It's some days I know it's 20 years, and other days it's yesterday or today. Judy lived in the same house that she raised the kids in. She says, you know, one spouse, one house... And so this was the house that they've lived in for decades. She renovated the room that Josh had before he went off to his job at Cantor Fitzgerald because she said she doesn't think that she would have been able to handle it if it had been like his original room. All the little details, all the little stories, the trauma, the PTSD, how you get over grief, how you get through grief, that walk that you have to take to get through the grief to the other side how she held it together for her family. She talked about the depression that she experienced for years, for a really long time. I was injured right before Josh died. I was had, had one surgery and was scheduled for a second one on my shoulder and neck. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I'm fine. I, I, mean, I am, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm used to it. And um, I was a mess. And not having somewhere to go did not help. I can only imagine. My husband didn't want to leave me alone. He he had someone come in and redo the kitchen, Uh, pick out cabinets. I went, I don't care. Do you like these? Yeah. That was literally how it was done. But he didn't want me alone in the house because he he went back to work. Um, I just got involved with... Were you by yourself after he died? A lot of days. Most days I was. I sent my daughter back to school. Jenny came home at night, right? Yeah, she, Jenny came home after school. John came home after football. The others, Adam eventually moved back home for a while, and then he moved out. As a mom, like, during the days, you must have been a haze. I, it, I really, I tried to read anything that was written before, so it wouldn't have mentioned. Um, I just, I don't know what I did. I cried. I just sat 
and cry day. My husband would just, we'd be in the car, he'd you know, I'd go in the wild, wild, I'd grab something, he'd come out, and he'd say he'd see tears. It, it just, it was a mess. Um, How long did that last? I know people that are listening to this that are experiencing their own grief. It, 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 it really, I, I met with a lot of the other families. The only one was the late Grace Godshaw. Grace had been a supervisor here in Lower Makefield for 36 years and was a supervisor at the time. She lived a block away, and her son was 10 years older than Josh. So we had known each other. She lost her son. So she and I had a closer relationship. They both worked up he in was New York? in this other building, yes. Um, and Grace and I, you know, we really bonded, and I bonded with a lot of the other young women. You know, a lot of them, you know, after about uh, six months, a year, they were able to get up, put on makeup, they had kids. They had to do this, and I understood it. And one of them looked at me once and said, you don't understand, I lost my husband. And I remember looking at her because I was older, and I said, let me explain to you. I do understand. I would be devastated if I lost my husband. But you're young. You are smart. You have beautiful children. And you are going to survive, and I, you're going to find love again. It won't replace your husband will never replace him. It'll be an addition. Two of the women, a couple of the women have remarried. Two were divorced since then. Um, but the one I said it to said she didn't get it. And about two years later, she came over to me and said, I get it. Her child had uh, lymphoma, and she was beside herself. And again, it was another thing she could not control. And she says, but I get it. You can't replace your child. You can't even have a s- more. I said, no. I said, it's, it's not a more or less. It's just different. It's just different. In the way of the world, one spouse is going to lose the other at some point. You're going to lose your parents before yourself 99% of the time. Nobody expects to lose their child before they're gone. It's not. The world isn't made that way. I said, if there was a war, you prepare yourself. You do. You, if your child is sick, you prepare yourself. There's no preparation for accidents. There was no, we still haven't gotten justice. We still, in, in any way, shape, or form. Did you want some I, sort of, I mean, to look, get back at whoever did it? My son, he probably would have said get their money, but get even. I mean, I, he was, Josh was Josh. But... The point is, he would say, make them pay. But we're not living in a world of spears and rocks and even rockets and bombs. That doesn't work. The real way to make someone pay is financially so they cannot do it again. We've armed these people. Giving people money so they buy more arms from willing sellers, and there are plenty of them, is, is it's not helping. It's keeping that from happening, keeping them from being able to. It's also the best way to get even is to live a good life. How It's to live a good life that they didn't defeat me. I, I got involved with my, I have a great community. They were wonderful. And almost, and some people really did not know what to say. I, I understand that better now than I did then. And I can make you a list of things that sound like you really mean well, but don't say them. I have a full list. 
but <laughs> it's been 20 years. I'm sure you've heard it all. I've heard it all. Uh, believe me. But I got involved with my community. And by doing that, I felt like I was making a real difference because I can't make a difference in a foreign country, but I can make a difference where I live. And I did get involved. I admit I was on the worked with the Garden of Reflection. I was on the Environmental Advisory Council here in the township. I was a supervisor. And when I ran for supervisor, I didn't know what to do. I had not even run for third grade secretary. I mean, this was, I was the most politically naive human being you ever met. But I had a theory that I could work with anybody. And that I really felt that everyone that became a supervisor had the same goal I did, which is make this a better place to live. We might not have the same path to get there, but we should be able to bang out something that we both can live with and get there. It was getting there. And my path may not be the best way. I, I'm open to that. It's, I'm always open to that. I don't, I don't know everything. But I was asked to run for Bucks County Prothonotary, which most people don't know what it is, but it's the clerk of the civil division of the Court of Family Courts and Co- of Common Pleas and the Family Courts Civil and Family. And I also run a U.S. passport agency. I mean, it's a lot of work. But I remember when they asked me to do this, I said, why? You know, I didn't say yesterday. I said, why? And their answer was, you you can pronounce it. You know what it is. <laughs> that really was. I saw the signs in your yard, Judy. <laughs> and I said, oh, but I like being a supervisor. Well, nobody knew Democrats didn't win. So nobody knew I couldn't be both. They said, oh, you'll still be able to be a supervisor. I said, oh, okay. But don't worry, honey, you're not going to win anyway. Those were literally what was said to me. And I remember getting off phone. I told my husband this. And he says, well, what do you think? I said, ah, not going to win anyway. He says, no, you're not going to win anyway. Just go have fun. And I went all over this county. I enjoyed every minute of it. I really did. I knocked on more doors than I could imagine. I explained what the prothonotary was to more people. I now have every picture of a prothonotary bird that's sent to me by email. What is a prothonotary? It's a bird. It's brown with yellow. It's a rather cute looking bird, but I keep saying I'm not a bird. I learned that when Harry Truman came through Pennsylvania on a whistle stop, he said he was introduced to one of the county prothonotaries, and he says, you know, you know, what is this? And they explained it. He says, well, that's the best goddamn political title I ever heard. <laughs> but I always say I have the least sexy job in the county. What do you do? Well, we, we do all the docketing for civil, everything that comes in, every motion, every pleading, judgments. Um, we record from the recorder of deeds. We record their information. Um, we have records, really, that go back to 1685, when the first prothonotary, Mr. Pemberton, was appointed by William Penn, or probably his wife, truthfully. And um, our real historic books are in the historic libraries, and people can search them. It's a lot of paper, which annoyed me. So we are now, do a lot more electronically. What part of the job heals you from Josh's death? Is it the fact that it kept you busy, or the fact that it's... Like you're documenting historical events. It's a combination. Um, I think being a supervisor was just giving back. And even this is. I I guess that's really what it is. I was raised that I was supposed to leave this place better than I found it. Uh, Repair the world. But I, I feel like if I can do something for someone and make it a little easier for them, 
I've, I've fulfilled my mission. I have, I have the best team in the world. They make me look great. But Judy, where do you find the strength? I, it's good. I get up in the morning. I have somewhere to go. I have a mission. My kids are grown. Yes, I did babysit. I babysat my first three grandchildren um, two, and two days a week each for a long time. And it was fun. But I'm more than that. And they know it. And I want to be a role model to them that they, that if something bad happens, they can pick themselves up, dust themselves up, and go. I don't want them, I don't, my daughter went through a period, she was afraid to come home, that I just melt away and die. She was convinced she would find me dead. Just, I just gave up. I don't want that. I really. Because you were depressed for a while? I was very depressed. I know it's real. I was depressed. I was anxious. Everything made me nervous. How long did that last? Quite a few years. Years. Quite a few years. Um, I think when I decided to go on advisory council and I had somewhere new to go, it helped. And quite frankly, it was my the therapist that said to me one day, just at, we were in the grocery store at that point, he said, uh, he says, I hear that there's an opening on the board of supervisors, someone has passed. I said, he says, why don't you put your name up for it? And I did. And I went through the interview and they paperwork. Pick, yeah. They, <laughs> I, it was basically an interview it was local. They picked someone else. But the next week, someone called me and said, we want you to run for supervisor. We heard your interview. I said, oh, well, why don't you come and we'll have, go down to Continental Tavern and have a salad. So we went down, had, I had salad. I don't know. They probably had beer. I met my future running mate, and, you know, he's questioning me, and I'm answering him as honest. Like, he says, are you a clone? I said, what do you mean? He says, we agree on 99.9% of things. I said, that's good. <laughs> I said, it's always better that way. Would you run? I, I said, yes, but I still have to talk to my family. My husband said, oh, go run. I never thought I'd win. I'm sure a lot of that, that your role in government helped you it with, does. for example, like the Garden of Reflection and things that you wanted it to get does. done. It really does. I know that what Josh loved about this area, he loved that we had farms and preserving the farms have been very important to me. He liked riding his bike or skateboard or running. So I want to make sure they're walking and riding paths. I, I know that I think of him. My youngest son runs every morning. Um, those were things he loved. He, his dream was that when he got married, he was moving back here and he was just going to commute. Or he and a friend would get an apartment that they could share if they had to stay over type of things. He says, hell, I'm making enough money I can stay in a hotel. Why should I worry? He just loved life, but he wanted to raise his children here in Bucks County. There wasn't a question in his mind. Judy talked to me about how she was so worried that Josh wouldn't be remembered because he was only 23 and he didn't have children and he wasn't married. And then she talked to me about how the nieces and the nephews one day asked her when they were little, does Josh know where we live? And they talk about him. I guess, you know, she told the family, like, you better tell them what happened to him. But it's a lot. Christmas before he was with his little girlfriend who I'm still close to. Yeah, she wouldn't get engaged till my husband and I met her husband and her husband's name is Joshua.
We did get a call from one of the people at Deutsche Bank. He wrote us a letter. He says, I want you to know that Josh was in the building. I don't want you to start looking for him in New York. I was on the phone with him. And I heard a noise, and he said into the phone, I think an effing plane hit this effing building. I'm getting out of here. And dropped the phone. He says, I was on the phone with him when the plane hit. That's why you think he jumped? He would never just stay there and die. He would figure something might break my fall. He had done skydiving. He told me after the fact. He had. We were watching. Remember when they first showed Bungie jumping on TV? Mm-hmm. We're sitting here. It was Christmas time. And he said to me, oh, I did that. And I said to you, are you out of your mind? He said, oh, ma, it's fun. I did skydiving too. I said, when? Oh, he said, four or five months ago. I got a video somewhere. I don't know. I don't know where it is, but... You know, we we had to go clean out his apartment. That was horrible. Um, his neck, one of his necklaces was hanging. It must have fallen off the night before. I know he was wearing the necklace that Courtney gave him, and he usually wore this one. It looks like it was in his bed, and it was kind of unhooked, so we realized it had fallen off. But his brother opened the closet and went, "There's my shoes. There's my jacket." If he wasn't dead, I'd kill him. I mean, he didn't know what to say. He was like, there's my shoes. He took my shoes. I mean, was, have a good sense of humor. Them. I mean, at the time, it was just what came out of his mouth. He, he was like, you know, it, it hadn't hit him yet that this was final. Yeah. It really hadn't. And my husband knew we had to, we, we knew who owned the apartment building. He had gotten him the apartment. He said, don't worry about it. My husband says, no. We want to get the stuff out because the longer we leave it there, the worse it's going to be. Right now, we're still shocked enough that we can get it out without... So where was he living at the time? He was living... um, He came home on the weekends, but he was um, East 53rd Street. So in Manhattan? Right in Manhattan. He he walked out. I mean, the doorman said he was the promptest human he ever met. He walked out at the same time, went right to the subway, went right to the Trade Center every morning. He was there by 7-something, 7.30. He was there early. So he was, well, you knew it anyway. He was at his desk. He was there. There was not a question. Um, he had told me, we don't, I don't even get up for food. The Canner Cafe, all I have to do is yell. They know what I want most of the time anyway. He was a creature of habit. Um, we were sent to dinner one night where he liked to have dinner and, it was one of the really nice steakhouses in New York. And we gave our name and they said, are you Josh's parents? And I said, because you could tell I didn't look like a human being at this point. I said, yes. And they sat us down. They said, oh, we're sending you over his favorite wine. I said, 23, what do you mean his favorite wine? Even that hit me. Like, they knew what he wine he ordered? I mean, come on. He's 23 years old. Young man, though. Yeah. Yeah, and he really had established himself in that business. He used to complain to me that um, the producers was the big show. And I was dying to get tickets, couldn't get it. He said, Mom, I've been to it now 16 times. That's all the clients want to hear. We want to go to the producers. He says, oh, you want me to sing it for you? You want me to give you, I'll tell you who says what. He says, I know it all. You're like, no, just give me tickets. I said, just, he says, I make a deal with you. The next one that wants to go, I'm going to tell him I'm sending my assistant. I'll send you. Amazing. He says, you, you can talk numbers with them. You understand what I do. I can see you're so proud. I was so proud of him. He was the kid that we never worried about him. Never. He, I mean, when he was 11, which is a year too young, 
They didn't ask him, are you old enough to be a paper boy? They asked him if he was big enough. He said, sure. They found out he was underage when he won a contest and they couldn't send him to the paper thing. And, and they were going to give him $100 and he was supposed to go to Disney World. And I was with him and he said to them, no, 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 no. And they said, what do you mean, no, 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 no. He said, you would have had to fly my mother and I down there, feed us, put us up in a hotel and pay for Disney World. That's a lot more than $100. He was about 11 and a half. And they looked at him and they said, would 500? He says, she says, I'm happier with that. <laughs> I mean, they said, they, the, the, a person said to me, I felt like I was dealing with an equal here. Where, where did little he negotiator. Come? Yeah, where did he come from? I said, beats me. Takes after his father. Mm-hmm. I would have taken the hundred dollars. I said my husband wouldn't have. I said, I know who we no, not me. But he was I mean, he was your friend. If you if he was your friend, he was there for you. But if you lied to him or you crossed him or hurt his family, he would get even. He would revenge. I mean, he would get even. He he'd wait. He would wait till he could get even. What do you think he would have done if, like... Well, he, he had a life plan. He, I mean, what do, you, what do you think he... How do you think he would have handled if he made it out of the towers, the attack? He would have what, felt like he was the luckiest person alive. And then... And he would have lived like that. that what would he have... He well, would have, would he, he have he, felt like he needed to get revenge or... He would have wanted to, to get even, not revenge. It's, it's different. Revenge is... Uh, Best served, <laughs> called. called yeah. He would have done everything he could to prevent it from happening again. Um, but you're not revengeful, and no. you turned to like positivity and helping people. Well, I think that you have a choice, and you have a choice. You can either sit and wallow forever, you can be angry and angry at the world forever, or you can do something positive. And somebody once said. When you make a donation, I, I don't ever say, you know, they say give till it hurts. No, give till it makes you feel good. And it does. For me, I, I went through being angry. Uh, I could give you a list. <laughs> um, and I was angry at my country. They let me down. They either, it, it, we know I went to all of the hearings. I was in New York for the 9-11 commission and I know that there was letters from London telling them that this was being planned. They didn't take it seriously. They really didn't. Um, we went down to Guantanamo Bay very early. The planner was Sheikh Mohammed. I've seen him. I saw him at Guantanamo Bay. And if people think they're not living well, they're wrong. Um, we saw where they live. They didn't hide anything from the families. They brought down chefs that could teach how to cook what's culturally and religiously acceptable. They had to bring nine because there were nine different types of cuisine. They get medical care better than most Americans. Um, when they're 40, they get their first colonoscopy. One of the... You're talking about prison? Mm-hmm. The, in Guantanamo Bay. Mm-hmm. It's... <laughs> when I was down there at the base, they, they sell... I have my T-shirt. It says... Guantanamo Bay Resort and Spa brought to you by the Department of Defense. It's paradise. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how much... I think they did waterboard people, and I, I think they realized it. you're not getting anywhere. But the four that are on trial, the real the four, they stand up and scream and try to throw things at the one-way 
glass that we can see them. One of them, they found him on the battlefield half dead. Um, they gave him an artificial limb, and he takes it off and tries to bang it on the table. He's broken a couple even by then. Um, their antics, they're horrible. They built a courtroom that looks just as nice as any courtroom in Bucks County, I can tell you that. These trials have been going on now for 19 years, 18, 19 years. They've every motion, no matter how outlandish, from the defense attorneys. Each one gets a defense attorney, an assistant from their own country, paralegals, interpreters. Um, one of them won't have a woman at all in the room. He doesn't. Well, they told him that's too bad. Your partner in crime over there doesn't care. Um, we have only one that has an attorney that can't come to Guantanamo Bay because he's a known terrorist. But he can video. They have le- they can video to their families. They send letters. They get mail. What goes through your mind when you see this? Because you We're can't. Humane. We are humane people. I want them to. But I, I, I mean, I'm thinking like you probably are thinking about Josh. I am. But the other thing is, I really don't want. I want people to remember Josh when he as he was living, not that he died. Yeah. And. This is hard for people to understand. If you bring these four to the United States, they're going to be like celebrities among certain groups of people. And they'll have like groupies. They will have people that will be at the prisons, that will be out parading. It will be like a sideshow. They need to be tried. A decision has to be made. I know I'm going to have to speak as a victim. I've already been told that they would like my husband and I too, or maybe my children. It's been 20 years Putting them to death would be too good for them, truthfully, because that's what they want. They want to be like martyrs. They want to be martyred. I don't want them martyred where they're going to build shrines to them and go pray where they are. I understood what the um, Navy SEALs, why they buried him at sea. Otherwise, you would have had shrines. Osama bin Laden. Yeah. You would have had shrines erected. Have they told you when you would have to speak at this uh, trial, or is this theoretical? I, I don't know anymore. If they ever finish the trial and have they have a I guess it's three justices um and come to a conclusion I guess that's what they'll do like I said I don't know if the punishment be for 9-11 it's supposed to be a death sentence like I said I think that's too good for them it's it gets them off but again who wants to keep paying for them where are you going to put them I, it's it's a quandary. It's it, there's no good. It, it's like leaving Afghanistan. There's no really good answer to this. There's no right answer. There's no one right answer. It's an incredible story to tell. Um, it's. I was just I was just so moved by how close this family is how they teased each other and supported each other how they dealt with this and and learned about this tragedy and managed to pick up the pieces it's just an incredible incredible story and how you know there's a bigger picture here I asked Judy about Afghanistan. She had a lot to say about 
the war in Afghanistan. And she had a lot to say about the lesson that is to be learned on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, which is a message of love. And I, I got to hand it to her that probably took her a long time to like come to this place of peace because I know that it, it was, I, I could feel it. I could feel the heartbreak in their house. What do you want people to remember on the 20th anniversary? These people were living, breathing people. They all had dreams, they had ambitions, they had people that loved them, people they loved. And that their lives were just, their futures were cut short. Not their lives, their futures were cut short. We don't know. Maybe one of those children that were on the plane was the person that would find a cure for cancer. We don't know what their futures held. What's it like for you to um, like be with your family and you know that the kids have been named after Josh, so it's a reminder. as but it's amazing- a good reminder. Yeah, it's a it's good- a- I will tell you, the first few years when the boys stood together, there was always like a space where Josh should be. Adam would be here and Jordan would be just slightly over and John would be next to him. And I noticed it a couple of times and I said to my husband, you know, look at the way they stand. He says, yeah, that's where Josh would have been. It took a while. It took a while. But my kids, I mean, when my daughter got married, um, they gave their toast. Now, they could go on the road and they write their own material. My poor, poor son-in-law is a Giants fan. I know it's delusional, but he is. They came out to fly Eagles Fly. They put on Eagles jerseys and then they started the one closest to her, one of us is not here, who loved her the most, and said, I have a story to tell. First of all, Jenny, when you were born, and my mom and dad told me that you were coming, they told me nothing was going to change. That was the first lie. And he waited. And then he said, but one day, you know, you and I went down to Josh's graduation. And I'm thinking, oh, wonderful. I'm going to my brother's graduation. I'm a teenage boy. 14 years, 13, 14 years. I, I want to spend this time with my parents and my uncle and aunt and their baby and you. But Josh did something different. He says, let me take John with me tonight. I'm going to go. We have a party. He says, well, there really wasn't a party. He took me back to his apartment. And he said to me, have you met my friend Jim yet? And I went, Jim who? He says, you reached up, took down a bottle and said, Jim Beam. Gave him his first shot. So he brought shots out for Jenny, her husband, and for them to take a shot for Josh. They did. I mean, we all cried, but it was remembering him in the right way. He said, that was my first drink of alcohol, real alcohol. He was 14. He was about 14, maybe 13. Well, he was, let's see, 16 when Josh died. He was young. Like a true big brother, you yes, know? Yes, he was 14, 15. That's a, and he said, oh, and he said to him, don't tell mom and dad, <laughs> you know. They don't need it. They don't need to know this. <laughs> so he told the whole wedding. <laughs> yeah. So he tells everybody. I mean, nobody will know. <laughs> but um, he is very much alive in your family. Yeah, he is. He really is. Um, my biggest fear is nobody would remember him. I really was so afraid. I said, "He's twenty-three. He never had children. Who's going to remember him?" But it, they do. Um, his nieces, my, his nephews. His first niece, my, my first granddaughter, we had, I haven't hung the pictures, but I had 
these I had other pictures of the kids as children hanging out on the wall. I, I can't look at them. And she says, she had heard Uncle Josh. She was about four, five, four. She says, doesn't Uncle Josh know where we live? And I went, yes, he does. That answered her. And, of course, as soon as she was out of the room, I called her parents. You need to have a conversation. A few weeks ago, my daughter was over to see the baby. And the seven-year-old and the four-year-old, the four-year-old's our family has two girls, and now we have a boy and a mommy and daddy. What did you have, Aunt Jen? She says, well, you know, she's thinking, mm, I have three brothers and me and a mommy and daddy, nanny, you know, Nan and Popsy. And the seven-year-old, who we've never, he doesn't, Jordan won't discuss it, goes, hey, you forgot Uncle Josh. Jenny said, yeah, I, I, I must have for just a minute. And the four-year-old goes, who's Uncle Josh? And the other one goes, He died. What's died? My daughter didn't know what to do. She came over here hysterical. She was hysterical. Could not stop crying. She says, I already called them. They're going to have to have a dis- that discussion. Addison had a real hard time of it because at school, they, somebody had said something about they went to work in New York and never came back. And when her mother would go into New York, she was hysterical. Mm. She got to a point she didn't want to leave the car when her mother went to work. What if she doesn't come back? Addison is the niece. But so this is traumatizing like traumatizing another generation. generation. It really does. It really does. You have to be very careful how you talk to, around children. They pick it up. Wow. They pick it up. It, the ripple effect. It is. It's a ripple. It's just it's the, a ripple. It's the impact of that day. Do you have any final words as we like, just that it's been 20 years and kids have grown up and the kids have had kids and... Uh, they don't know. They, this, this is ancient history. It's like when I was in school and you studied Pearl Harbor, that was ancient history. To them, it's, it didn't happen, but they're feeling the effects. Their lives are so much different than our lives. I didn't go into biz- buildings that had metal detectors. I didn't have to put my phone. I didn't take my shoes off to get on an airplane. I didn't look around me to see if anybody was weird. You're doing a, a ceremony at the Garden yes, of Reflection. I'm doing them in the morning. It's a remembrance. It's not long. It's only about an hour, maybe an hour and ten minutes. We'll um, through that whole morning. We'll mark by a bell the different times of each building being hit. Shanksville, the Pentagon, and when the buildings fell. Um, we will read the names of all 58 Pennsylvania. Uh, the 18 Bucks County will have flowers uh, put on the glass. I don't know if you've been to the garden yeah. where the glass is. We will put the flowers there. And um, we want, I, I didn't want a big ceremony this year. We usually do, it's about two hours. I, it's Saturday, there's going to be children. I want it to be family friendly. Um, I want it to be an opening of a day that people can come to the garden. It's peaceful at the garden, and they can enjoy the garden and remember. Uh, we will have, at least for Lower Makefield, we're hoping to get all 18 Bucks County residents uh, a little stand with their pictures and a bio of who they were. What do you want people to get out of the day and your ceremony? I want them to remember. It's remembering. Um, remember their lives, who they were, what they loved to do, and maybe just make a little 
pact that the next time your neighbor says something you don't agree with, you don't have to yell back at them. Or if somebody writes something on Facebook, you could just let it go. Don't pick fights. Don't pick wars over stupid things. Be a community. I mean, this was, this has always been such a good community. It really has. Is that the lesson? I think the lesson is that uh, learn to care about your the world around you, the people around you. Try to find the things that are right. Yeah. And, and go that way. I mean, there's constantly, constantly picking everybody apart for every decision they make. I, I don't know of a decision I made that was, other than marrying my husband, that was a good decision right off, that never had. And even that, there's fallout. There's things that might have been different. But you can't sit and be Monday morning quarterbacking everybody in this world. We have to learn to disagree you have to better. Learn to dis- yeah. You have to learn that it's okay that someone may not practice their religion the same as you. It's okay. It doesn't mean that there's anything makes you lesser if they're different. And it doesn't make them lesser. And I think that's, I, I don't know, my husband says I'm almost at peace at any price. But there's a price to be paid for peace. I know that. But we have to... We can't be in continuous wars for this. Josh wouldn't have wanted that. There's no way he would have wanted that. And I know of at least two people that died because he was killed. They joined the service and were killed. So their friends joined the armed services because their friends were wanted. killed Yeah, to like avenge their... Not well, so not- much to avenge, but to try to maybe make it better. None of them, they, they weren't that kind of young man. Yeah. They really weren't. They, they like wanted, to be in service for their They country. wanted, yes, they wanted to do something that was of service. And I understand that. Yet you feel the same way. I do. I do. It makes me feel better. It really does. Um, I don't want anyone else to ever, every time I hear something like this, I don't want another mother to do go through what I do. I really don't. My whole thing, I think... From the beginning, I said, I just don't want anyone else to have to go through this. It's too horrible. I just spent an hour and a half speaking with Judy, who so graciously opened up to me about probably the most intimate and difficult thing that's ever happened to her in her life. And the way I feel right now, it's just inspiring. How does she How does she deal with that every day? And how does she put that aside to live her life in a productive way. And this is a woman who has gone on to be in service to her community and raise a family of grandchildren. She's inspiring, but also she carries a heavy load. This is a heavy burden for her to carry in her heart. I feel it in my heart. And that's probably why we should all remember it's important. This is our American history, and these people deserve to be remembered. The victims of 9-11 absolutely deserve to be remembered. Josh Reese deserves to be remembered. 